1: Tradies and builders, power your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass.
2: It's Justin Marshall and Ricardo Ball with the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run on SENZ.
1: Good afternoon, New Zealand. One o'clock here on SENZ. Dean Butler with you here today until uh, three o'clock. Uh, that's when we switch over to Kimpy and Sam as they begin the build-up uh, to the Rugby League today. The Warriors taking on the Bulldogs. Of course, that should be a cracker. But up until then, we have got the Bunnings Trade rugby run. And as we do every week, he joins us again. He is the man, the myth, the legume, Justin Marshall. Marshy, how you doing, pal?
2: Hi Dean, how are you and uh, good afternoon to everybody joining us for the Bunnings Trade Rugby run um, this afternoon and uh, I'm doing very well, I made my way back from commentating the game in uh, Dunedin last night, Um, a really comprehensive good win for the Highlanders which Clark Dermody given his current injury crisis will be pretty happy about so yeah it's nice to be home and we've got more sport in front of us this afternoon haven't we? Not only... Super Rugby Pacific, but as you mentioned, the Warriors, and um, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a nice Sunday, I
1: think. It sure is, mate. That's the thing, mate. With you, with your role, with and your commentary, you're actually you you travel on the weekends. It must be fairly complicated actually getting from place to place. Is it is it is it quite uh, what am I saying? Quite close sometimes that you don't don't get there on time. <laughs>
2: Um, well, particularly where I live, uh, it doesn't help, Dean, because Queenstown can get a little bit ropey with its airport, oh. uh, low cloud or bad crosswinds, closes this airport, uh, airport um, within a breath. So uh, usually when we get into the sort of middle of the winter, I'll always kind of go day before just to make sure that that doesn't happen. Good idea. Um, yeah, I, I sometimes wonder about the geography of some of the people Um that make the decisions in Sky because uh, they seem to think, "Oh, yeah, Justin's in Queenstown, so uh, we'll put him. We'll put him on a few Highlanders games." But what he doesn't realise is you either got to fly through Christchurch and then back down to Dunedin, which takes a cumulative of about four hours, wow. or the driver's four hours. Okay. Um, whereas uh, flying from Auckland's about an hour fifty. So, um, <laughs> It's like, uh, yeah, it's actually easier for you to send someone from Auckland and quicker than what it is for me to either drive or fly from Queenstown, even though it looks on the map that we're close together. Yeah. It's just a really difficult place for for me to get to from here. But um, no, I tend to make all the games and everything okay, mate. I haven't had uh, any that I've missed um, in 13 years with Sky, so... I think that's not a bad
1: record, don't you? Mate, none. I think that's an awesome record, Justin. Hey, also, uh, for the listeners out there, if anyone has just joined us, you can um, text 8833 as well if you've got any questions uh, you want to ask Justin about the weekend's rugby so far. Or if you wish to um, abuse Justin in person, please give us a call 0800 150 811. 0800 150 811. Marshy, let's start, mate, with your uh, beloved Crusaders on the weekend. Thirty five seventeen, great result. And uh, you mentioned it before. You sent me an email earlier when we were talking about this weekend that Brumby's side were were depowered. But in saying that, to me, it showed like they had a bit of depth in that side with that new side. What do you reckon?
2: Yeah, they certainly were competitive. Uh, you know, I, I certainly concur with the fact that also the Crusaders have a, a lack of. Um, some of their key players and personnel right now, they're going through their own injury uh, concerns, Mm. so they they are by no means at full strength. Uh, But, yeah, I I certainly feel that the the Brumbies are are working towards building better squad depth. We had a good chat with Stephen Larkin, one of the coaches Mm. of the Brumbies, after the game um, and off air, he did say, you know, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to get to the point where if we do lose a few of our key players, that we don't lose our season because yeah. we can have yeah. others that step in, and um, you know, whilst they might not be at that type of level, they are just below it, and our team still functions. Mm. So that that wasn't um, the reason uh, for, for the weekend, though. Those players that he left behind weren't injured. I, I just felt that we got robbed of a classic game. Yeah. When, I, when I played for the Crusaders, the, the yeah. Brumbies were and still are, I think, the team coming out of Australia that could. On their day, um, beat any of the New Zealand rugby franchises. Yes. They've been playing good rugby. They've got a really good coaching structure. Uh, the, they are a very good side. Um, they travel well. And, and to me, if I was Stephen Larkham looking at this on, with, with his, I, I guess, future set of glasses on, mm. it, it would be right the Crusaders are two from four. They've got a hell of a lot of injuries. Mm. We're firing on all cylinders. We haven't dropped a game yet. No. Um, This is a perfect opportunity to not only continue our momentum so that if we are playing finals rugby, it's in Australia in Canberra. Mm. And secondly, um, we really put a hole in the Crusaders because imagine them dropping two home games. Yeah. and, And then they become three losses from five games. It was a real opportunity for the Brumbies to make a statement in this competition and hurt what was like is likely to be a side that they could meet not only, you know, in the in the playoffs, but possibly in the final and perhaps get them at home if they control their own destiny. They didn't. They rested seven seven wallabies, seven key players, and I just felt that you know, that that they could have come with a better intent and they might have got a quite different result had they had that mindset.
1: I think you're 100 percent right there, Marcia, because I'm I'm with you. It's always when the like Crusaders take on Brumbies or Blues take on Brumbies. Back in the day, those were those were must-watch matches. Okay, in the recent years, and maybe not so much. But this year, most definitely had that feel of, oh boy, the Brumbies are back. So can I ask, were those players rested? Is it much like how the All Blacks are being rested? Is it a World Cup decision? Is it Eddie Jones saying to Stephen Larkham and Co, "Hey, we've got to rest some boys," or was it purely a Brumbies uh, decision?
2: But he he didn't say that it, it was a directive coming from Australian Rugby. And looking across the other sides, when I watched the Reds last night, I saw Jordan Petaia playing. I saw James O'Connor playing. Um, McWright was playing. So they they didn't look like they were okay. resting any of their Wallabies. So whether there's uh, a, a, another reason that Australian Rugby aren't disclosing, and there are certain players that they have informed the Brumbies to rest. Um, on their own i'm not sure but stephen Larkham didn't say that he wow. didn't say we, we we were told um that they had to be rested. that we actually didn't have access to them he didn't say that at all he just okay. said the way the squad is sitting we felt that this was a side that we could come here and and we could win with and wow. i kind of looked at him with uh, one of those looks of oh, yeah right, mate <laughs> yeah. um i think if you had those seven wallabies in um, and, and your side, you know, and, and even guys like uh, Pete Samu, who have played in Christchurch as a Crusader before, they just would have been a different outfit, so, yeah. you know, you bring Nick White and his competitiveness into it, um, and you look at, you know, the Crusaders with White lockout, yes. uh, as well as the other injuries that they've got, they've got, you know, young Dallas McLeod trying to find his way in the centres, um, Sever Reese is out, so... Uh, they've had to make some adjustments in the in the out in the outside backs. They have Fergus Burke playing at fullback. You know, Crusaders were no means mm. a team with rhythm, and um yeah, look, that that's just my perspective, yeah, I, I, my personal one. I I, I kind of look of it, look at it through a Crusaders mindset. Yeah, of I, I was thinking, leading into this game, this is a big blockbuster. This is what absolutely Crusaders, Brumbies. Games used to be like, it's mm. going to be a belter of a game and it's it's any team can win. And then the Brumbies side came out. They mm. named their side. And I just thought, ah, yeah, what a shame. Mm. What a shame. Not because I want to see the Crusaders beaten.
1: You just want a game. Because I want know. to
2: see the type of rugby that this competition can produce week in, week in and week out. Wallabies, All Blacks, mm. two of the superpower teams of, of historic super rugby going hammer and tongs. Both of them won numerous titles yeah. in the past. Uh, and it was just really well set up. But when when I saw the side that um, Stephen Larkham um, named, I just uh, I just felt let down of a contest that could have been different.
1: Yeah, and I think that I think that feeling is shared by everyone. Marshy, can I ask too, on a on a more personal note? You obviously played against Larkham and Co back in the day. You, you're great mates with George yeah. Gregan. We all know that. What's it like with you and Larkham? Are you do you have a good relationship as well, or is it more we were competitors and we know each other and we're friends type of thing?
2: No, no, no. We have a very good relationship. Ironically, through through our period, we were very lucky that you know through that transition mm. between amateur and professional, we, we were all of the similar similar age, mm. and so we went through those steps together. Um, the game was still learning around that time about how to be professional. Right. Uh, so we we were still having uh, after match oh. functions together. We were still having test dinners. Oh, good. Uh, and we all came through the age group grades as well. So we very much always were, even though sometimes you didn't feel like it, you were thrust into the situation where you were dealing with the opposition all the time. Yeah. When you watch the modern day players, they don't do that anymore. So the time that they catch up is when you see them standing around at the end of the game on the field and they might gravitate and talk to a player. Um Wow. Some sites have a mantra where they will invite the opposition into the changing room. Okay. Um, I believe the Crusaders do that. It's Good. just whether or not the opposition accept that. And when I say that, it's not because maybe they got beaten or maybe they don't like them. Because um, <laughs> I know quite a few teams around the, 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 the globe don't like the Crusaders or, you know, don't like the Brumbies or whoever it might be. Yeah. But the second part of the equation is also they now have this massive recovery process that kicks in straight after the game, you know, Um,
3: which
2: we probably, which we didn't have as much back then. We did have ice baths eventually and things like that, but it's so, there's so much more science in it now. It just takes such a long time for the players to go through that process, nutrition, rehydration, uh, massage, you know, hot, cold, all that sort of stuff. And then actually have a shower and get dressed, you know, like, (laughs) The, the game is, is, is an hour, an hour and a half finished, so it makes it even harder to catch up with the opposition. So, yeah, look, I've got great relationships with all of the mm. players I've played against. You know, people might raise their eyebrows. Guys like Martin Johnson, you know, mm. doesn't yep. look like you'd even want to sit down and um, have a cup of tea with them, let alone a beer. But, uh, you know, all those Brumbies guys, Larkin, Gregan, yeah. Rod Kafer, um, you know, the, Sterling Mortlock, all, all yes. those boys, Dustin Harrison. Uh, yeah, absolutely.
1: We 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 all still get on very very well. Wow, it's really it's a really interesting point you bring there, Marty. Because you're right, when you play sports, like you know, a big part of it is that social side, is that after game catch up, have a beer, whatever. So that explains to me now, and maybe many of the listeners and viewers, why it is that players hang around so long in the field talking to each other, because they don't they don't get that opportunity anymore. Like you said,
2: no, they don't, and that's the time where they get to have a bit of a chat. Uh, and 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 a catch up, and then from there, it's about their own individual and team process from from there, and that can be a myriad of different things. Yeah, so we, we actually had it really good in our time that we just still did have those those after match functions where we would all get together and and go for a beer and a chat, and and I, I found that really refreshing because yeah. I found, I, found, I find that the modern day player. Is not getting that connection mm. um, for mm. a start off, and yep. just knowing that these guys are just actually doing what you're doing, and they've actually got the totally the the, the, the same uh, weekly program that you do, and they're actually the best people to talk to, because they actually have uh, ideas of how to get away from the game, mm. or they understand how you might be feeling, should you lose, or should you be out of form. Yeah, they're actually the perfect people to just talk to about the game
1: because they understand. Yeah, well, they're the same version of you, just from another another country, another place. That's right. Wonderful. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. That's. I love that. That's a great observation, Marshy. Hey, keep your calls coming in, folks. 0800-150-811 if you want to ask Justin anything about the rugby on the weekend. This is, of course, the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run, or you can text double eight double three. And no surprises, I'm looking at the phone lines, uh, Justin, and it's Graham has given us a call. Graham, how are you doing, mate?
4: Good, Dino. How
1: are you? I'm very well, thank you, my friend. But I bet you're feeling even better.
4: Yeah, I, I am. Yeah, no, it was good to see you on Friday night, Justin, when you're on a, on your way up to the box. Yeah.
1: Yeah,
2: sure was, great. Yeah, you you were in your usual seat and I was heading to mine.
4: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, that's exactly correct. Yeah, the, um, but, yeah, no, I just on Friday night's game, and, yeah, great observations about the Brumbies, you know, because you said that to me on well, that night, you know, that, Mm. about them leaving those guys out. And, um, yeah, and obviously, obviously, from your experience, you know, guys like you and Andrew Mertens and all them and playing against Larkham and Gregan, you know, I remember those years well. I mean, you used to get, uh, you know, Brumby's players coming into the supporters club and all that. And, you know, those days yep. that, you know, they've cool. well and truly, you know, bitten the dust now. It's a real shame. But um, mm. they just talk off the field. But on the performance, you know, just a couple of players... Um, get your um, views on, yeah, just Dallas McLeod, you mentioned him before, I think he played, uh, yeah, he's developing well, isn't he, I think, you know, he played very well last week against the Blues, you know, against, you know, two of us of Sheik, and, you know, um, golly, he's the other guy, Um have got Rico Ioani, you know, great Rico, players yeah. too, so, you know, it was a good battle between them and Braden Eno, and I thought he followed it up last week, um, Friday night very well too, Dallas did.
2: Yeah, no, I totally agree, and I think he was probably one of the, if not the standout performer, uh, very close to it in that Crusaders game against the Blues. And, and to be perfectly honest, Graham, when I looked at that game and, and broke it down, um, I certainly felt that the Crusaders prob- probably had the wood on the Blues um, in the Fords. And if it came down to some key moments here, that they would they'd be able to accumulate points quite well because I felt they just had some better grip, better experience. Um and maybe slightly better skill set in, in certain positions. Uh, but I was really worried about the fact that I thought that the Blues' uh, backline had more firepower, uh, and it certainly um, really worried me about the centre combination. In fact, I think I was banging a drum that week to have Leicester Whang and Nuku uh, play at centre. I was worried about the punch that the Crusaders yeah, were yeah. lacking. So Dallas McLeod stepping up, you're absolutely right. He he certainly put that to bed um, and proved... That he did that fine. Look, he didn't want have to play there, which which is good because I got proven wrong. But equally, he backed it up again against the Brumbies, where he was nice and composed and assured. And I think probably the biggest thing to come out of it, Graham, is the fact that it's a very young backline. He's not he's not around a lot of experienced players that are usually there, and sometimes that can be a bit overwhelming for a young player who's trying to make his mark. But he doesn't look phased by decision making, and um, he, he just looks like he wants to get on with his job.
4: Yeah, exactly right, yeah, and, um, well, he did have Richie inside him, but, yeah, you're right, this is a very young backline without Will Jordan, and um, he's got his mate Fergus Burke there, full-back, you know, he's yeah. doing very well too, but but it's not the regular guys there, and, you know, there's been a lot of, and Seve was, you know, gone, probably for yeah. the season, unfortunately, but, yeah, I also think, yeah, yeah, we, they probably, you know, not having Pete Samu, started, I think, yeah, he would have relished um, playing against his old team, and, um yeah, that was that was unusual, you know, that they went the whole hog there, but that's their choice, and um, yeah, we'll see what happens next week. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think uh, the Crusaders um, would be
2: fair to say they had a disruptive week, and I think if I was Scott Robertson deep down, I would have been pretty relieved to have seen that side. He would know that Stephen Larkin would have some tricks up his sleeve, and that they would still be tough, because they are actually developing a good squad deep for Brumbies, but... I think uh, given the, the distractions of the week, the injury, the concerns the Crusaders have got, the fact that they would already dropped the home game, um, that, that Brumby side that could have been stronger, he would have been pretty happy that it wasn't because they've got another good win in the b- bag with a bonus point.
4: That's right, exactly. Yeah, that was sort of an Chris, early Christmas present for the Crusaders, really. Yeah, yeah because um, we're off to the Queensland next week. But yeah, and um, hopefully Will Jordan and them are back after the break, uh, the, Brian, Ethan Blackhead is playing great rugby of course, but you know, he's out for a couple of weeks now but um, yeah, that, that, that does help things in the long run. Yeah, no, great chatting to you guys. Hey, thank you
1: very much, You're Graham, right. as always, mate. Yep. Much appreciated. Uh, there you go, Graham from Christchurch with his thoughts. If you've got anything you'd like to add, please give us a call, 800 11 on the uh, Power Your Business with Bunnings Trade Power Plus on the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run. Or you can text double We've just got a great text in from Andy, but we'll do that after the break because we've got to take that right now. 22 past 1 here on SENZ. Dean Butler with you up until 3 o'clock on the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run. Justin Marshall is of course uh, with us as well and we will be having a special guest, uh, Marshy, your old mate White Crockett will be joining us um, in the next 15 minutes or so. So uh, yeah, it be good to get his views on uh, the rugby over the weekend too. Uh, keep your texts coming in, double eight, double three. Here's one for you, uh, Justin. This is from Andy. Uh, hi guys, good games over the weekend. Uh, great to see the Crusaders back up with another win and the Highlands is uh, getting some points on the table too but what is going on with Moana Pacifica how come they're playing their home games in Auckland instead of the islands the Drua are playing in Fiji but not Moana have they got talent scouts in the islands looking for new players I just feel like Moana at the moment are just another New Zealand team and not a Pacific Island team that they should be they should be playing their home games in front of their community Andy any thoughts on that one Justin
2: Oh, look, it's a valid point. Mm. Uh, I certainly feel that minor Pacifica are really important for this competition and equally it's important for their growth in the game. And they need to be, I guess, inspiring the youngsters uh, that are coming through to want to be minor Pacifica players, you know, and, yes. and you can only do that when they can be touchable, you know, which is on, on um, their home soil. So whether it be Tonga, Samoa, you um, Rarotonga, wherever it might be. Uh, And then uh, equally they have the ability for the kids to go down and have Mm. selfies and watch them play and get autographs, you know. And and that's what grows the game because it inspires the kids to be like their heroes. So, you know, there's always lots of politics and obviously, you know, it's not easy to run a super rugby team either. Uh, So I, I believe that a lot of it is cost. I've been able to do and run a team from that from that part mm. um, of the world, and 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 that's factored into it. I do, I still feel it doesn't mean that they couldn't take the odd game there. Not to say that they are not um, that they are not doing that this year. I'm not quite aware. I haven't. Oh, I just I just said I said
1: Google, Marci. There is one. They're, they're having a game in Samoa on uh, the 14th of April against the Reds in Apia. There you go. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I think they did have another game in Samoa at another point as well. So, yeah, there very much is, I guess, a very valid argument that they should be playing there more than that, Mm. uh, rather than at Mount Smart, um, because that's basically, you are having two Auckland-based super rugby franchises. Yes. uh, And and that doesn't make it easy, because it's a competitive market to get people along to games anyway. Uh, Like, in terms of the way they're playing. But the answer to the question, you know, initially would Mm. be, yeah, I think they should be playing in the islands a lot more than what they are. Um, I think it will help them. Mm. Um, And secondly, yeah, they're they're just struggling at the moment to get a grip on their identity. I think they've worked really hard in the off season on shoring up their basics of the game. They got pushed around at line out time in particular last year, their scrum when they needed it, let them down. It, It looks a lot better this year, and Mm. and I think the statistics will back that up. But unfortunately, they've lost a little bit of their spontaneity, their their instinctive mojo, where they just opened up teams from all parts of the field and had this awesome ambition to play. Yeah. And I'm just wondering whether or not their balance is now off, that the players aren't thriving in in a game they know that they want to play, um, as opposed to a game that, they can play, which is play what's in front of them. Yeah, and and that's what it looks like to me that they've just gone a little bit too far towards the conservative side, which doesn't um, by any means um, make them a better side. I don't think. And and if we saw that last night with the Indura, mm. they 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 went really tight in their attack. Um, they punched away off the ruck heaps of time. Haven't seen them play like that this year. I don't know why they had the mindset to go that narrow and. Yeah, I think the odd time they tried to break out, they were off their game last night, passes didn't stick. So then that made them go back narrow again. Mm. And uh they just didn't look the side that they can be. So yeah, in a nutshell, that's what I would be saying about Minor Pacifica, that yeah, they've they've shored up their set piece and they look a lot better than that area, but they've got to recognise where their strengths are. You know, they're better to concede a little bit there, but play the way that they know how to play. And I think they'll get some they'll get so they'll get some better results.
1: Yeah, good, good answer, Marcy. And you, you're you're right. They they have moments, but not an entire game. And can I ask you about that game with Moana Pacifica and the Hurricanes? Was it a case of the Hurricanes just putting it all together, and Moana's defence being, uh, you know, average, or was it a combination of the Hurricanes just played really well and Moana couldn't cope with them? Uh,
2: the Hurricanes just replaying the way they have been playing. Mm. Uh, they're a good, well balanced side. You know, their back row is so strong led by Ardy. Uh, they got plenty of punch in the midfield. Bain and Sutherland coming back um, it really helped as well. Proctor's playing great rugby. Um, Roy Guard's going great guns as well. And uh, you know the, the way that they've sort of got in sync is really, really good. They have got some firepower on the outside. Uh, so they they just carried on the way they've been playing, which mm. Minor Pacifica would have analysed. Uh, but in my mind, when I when I watched that game, I thought defensively, Minor Pacifica really let themselves down. Uh, they got bullied a bit. Um, they they got uh, brushed off quite a few tackles. Mm. Uh, usually they pride themselves on physical defence. They just couldn't handle the, the the physicality the Hurricanes brought to the game. Um, and they'll be really really disappointed with their effort defensively because it just it just cost them points, got them playing catch up rugby, didn't allow them to get their attack going because they were fatiguing from. Mm. Um, getting getting pushed around players that should have been making tackles weren't and were on the ground. So another player has to step in and make that <laughs> tackle and turn in. And then you've got to try and scramble and get back in your shorter numbers. It, it's all, yeah, it all sort of snowballs on you. But if you're missing up, you're missing your first up tackles and they missed way too many of them. So they were off big time and not up to it. And the Hurricanes were just on their. They're really well oiled uh, train of form that they're in at the moment.
1: Great answer, Justin, great answer. Hey, um, keep your text coming in. <clears throat> and thank you for that, Andy. That was excellent, mate. Double eight, double three, double eight, double three. if you've got a text. We have got another one. We haven't got time at the moment. Uh, or give us a call, 0800 I think we'll take another break now. And after that, uh, Justin will be talking with your mate, White Crockett. One thirty-three here on SENZ. Dean Butler filling in today for our Ricardo Ball. Uh, from 3 o'clock today, we of course cross to uh, Kempy and Sam for their build-up to the Warriors taking on the Bulldogs game. But it is the Bunnings trade rugby run right now, right up till 3 o'clock. Uh, Justin Marshall is here. If you want to text us in a question or anything, please do so, double eight double three, or you can give us a call, 0800 150 811. And Justin, we're joined by one of your old mates as well. Uh, joining us now is Wyatt Crockett. Wyatt, good afternoon to you. You, mate good
0: afternoon team hope you're all having a
1: good day yeah very well thank you very well indeed white hey we've been talking as we always do here on the Bunny trade rugby run a lot of um a lot of rugby marshy's had a lot of thoughts about the crusaders what did you make of the win the other night mate
0: yeah look it looks like they've um started in typical crusaders fashion a little bit of a slow start to the season and uh are you know, just building into their work and um Yes, yeah, something I guess we expect them to, to just get better as, as the season goes on. Obviously, with a lot of internationals um, thinking about, you know, potentially uh, a World Cup later on this year, um, you know, they, they can't peak for, for nine months. They've got to sort of build into their season. So I think you're seeing a bit of that as well.
1: So you think like in this, this year, this build-up year, players are going to pace themselves a little bit, white?
0: Oh, look, probably... Um, not not consciously, but the reality is that uh, you know, you can't be at your absolute best for the for the whole year. Mm. Um, you know, and you know, and just the way that the off season works, you know, they come back from the end of your tour and have a have a break and then they get back into their training and it just takes a wee while to get back into the full swing of things and being back to the absolute best. Um, so, you know, as we see the Crusaders do year after year, they sort of start to hit their straps in those
1: um, you know, getting closer to that finals footy. So um, hopefully we'll see that again this year. And with the um, Crusaders, you know, it has been a little bit of an up and down, hot and cold start for them, finding some form. Now, do you think the uh, Scott Robertson saga, the endless soap opera, has that played a part in that?
0: <laughs> oh, look, like I said, I think it's it's pretty typical for the Crusaders not to be at their absolute best at the start of the season. Mm. And, um, you know, I'm sure that um, Razor's obviously been juggling um you know, having to, you know, think about and put energy into, you know, his, um, I suppose, his job application. Um, <laughs> so, no doubt that that would have distracted him slightly. But I'm sure the, the playing group, you know, there's so many senior players that they, they'll have the guys right on the, on the task. And, mm. you know, to be fair, they've come against some, some really good, you know, um, performances, obviously, and, and some good teams to, um, to, you know, to beat them in those couple of games so early in the season.
2: Crocky, really good to hear from you, mate, and thanks for joining us. Um, Why not ask you about the front row, hey? That's your area of expertise. I know you like to hover out and around the back line, but anyway, we'll we'll digress to that later. Um, Joe Moody, mate. Um, Far out, he's playing well. What what do you think's going on there? Do you think it's been messages that he's been given or his body's just come right? But um, he's playing some good rugby right now.
0: Well, he's he's a world-class player, obviously, Marshy. Um... And he's been doing it for a long long time now he's had um he's had a terrible run with injuries over the last couple of years so to be fair, I think mentally he's um, you know he looks really fresh and excited to be back out there playing after after having a couple of years yet you know, like I say going through those challenges of not playing and um, you know I know that last year that pretty serious aCL injury you know it potentially could have been the end for moods um, you know um, but i I think what you're seeing now is a guy that actually realises that, you know, he might not have that too many more years left, um, and he's out there making the most of it. Looks like he's enjoying his footy, and he and he looks fresh and excited. That's that's what I see in moods, and um, you know, if you get if you get that big man in a in a good mood like that, he's going to play some good footy.
2: <laughs> yeah, good point. Um, I don't think it's any secret that the the All Blacks and Ian Foster in particular have looked at the rest of the world and the way that the props are now playing the game and how mobile they are and how many involvements they have. Um, you know, from what what you've seen uh, in terms of what we've already got uh, and yeah. what's coming through, uh, who, who's sort of been impressing you out there and do you think that we're able to make that adaption to get more involvement and more mobile with the props that we've got coming through?
0: Yeah, uh, mate, we've got some... And you have to just look firstly at the Crusaders and their young props. Obviously, with Fletcher Newell out injured at the moment, but he was outstanding last year, um, coming off the bench to the All Blacks and really added um, some good go forward in that midfield. And um, you know, it is you, you know you, you're so right. They do actually now form up, which is quite bizarre, but they form quite a um, critical part of a team attack. Um, mm. Having a ball carrier, a ball carrying prop that can actually really give you some good punch and go forward, not similar to like a league front rower Um, you know so giving you that real good go forward and that fast ball so that then the you know guys out wide can can play off that so obviously Fletcher Newell and Tamaiti Williams looks um, to me looks like uh, a player that we'll see um, wearing that black jersey in the near future Um, and yeah what he's doing from a ball carrying perspective is is very impressive and, and as I say again not unlike a league front row where they're providing that good punch, um, that late footwork and, and getting that quick ball. So it's, I think we're in really good stock there, particularly from, a, again, a Crusader's point of view. But there are some others around the around the country that are doing a great job there too.
2: What have you made of the, the law changes in super rugby? Um, I know it's not going to go through to international rugby just yet, but this innovation of speeding up the scrum set uh, the the line-outs um, and just the ball being in play um, more, uh, obviously it's going it's having an impact on the lungs, and the last quarters are becoming um, a lot more entertaining. Uh, a, would you yeah. have liked to have be been playing in that, and, and B, do you think it's good for the
1: game?
0: <laughs> Mate, well, I think it's outstanding for the game. Um, you know, it, Obviously it, it increases the spectacle, doesn't it, with the ball in play a lot more, and um, less, less faffing around. Um, I would have definitely loved to have um, had, that, had that while I was playing. Um, you mm. know, the, the concert resetting and, and slowing down of the game was was something that you know, you know, particularly you know in the time I was involved, involved in the All Blacks, we we really backed our aerobic sort of ability to to um, get over top of teams. And you know, when you come up against, I'll I'll say it, um, the likes of the South Africa or the, or the Irish back, back then or the English even. When they, you know, it seemed, it felt like they were definitely trying to slow down the game to, um, to catch their breath and be able to hang in with us. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's great. Um, and, you know, any more ball and play, more action is, is great for the game, great for the spectacle. So, it's good.
1: Hey, White, we've had a few texts in as well. Um, and the question from Anthony is the All Blacks. He wants the starting 15. We won't do that now, but we can do it later, maybe. He's thinking uh, he'd have Ethan Blackadder in there. Your thoughts?
0: Yeah, where would you put him? Um, uh, obviously, Ethan's, who was outstanding that year before he got injured. I think he missed, missed most of last year, didn't he? But um, he was, I think, starting in 2021,
1: wasn't he? I think so. Right? Yeah, I think he, he definitely had some games.
0: Yeah, no, like I think Ethan's definitely in that in the running. Um, just how you sort of fit that that loose forward trio together. Um, obviously, Artie's got to be there. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, mate. It's it's a tough (laughs) Um, call. Ethan, I'm sure will be in the mix, and um, far out what he what he offers for the team in terms of his work rate is second to none. Like, he's just so committed and gives it absolutely everything. So, you know, probably to be honest, it probably suits his game to be on the field for that sort of sixty minutes, and then bringing in someone a bit more dynamic and a bit more explosive in that last twenty would probably sound like a good option for me.
1: Yeah, it's going to be some tough choices all right, coming up for that World Cup. You mentioned Artie Savia. Obviously, you'd pick Artie because he can be the second referee if you need one as well.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh Yeah, mate, how good is he? Um, he, he he's first man picked on most people's team, I think, so um, just, a, just an unbelievable footy player.
2: Mm. Crocky, what did you make of this whole all-black saga? You know, obviously you've been coached for a very long time by Razor, um, I'm not sort of, sort of saying you know, so much about the selection, but the process and having it when the current coach is still involved. Could you imagine what it's like as a player when you kind of and uh, got a coach already, and uh, then there's a new coach yeah. that's been named? And do you think do you think they've handled it okay, or they needed to handle it this way and just get it out of the way for everybody, and and so we could move on? And and obviously yeah. Razor's appointment. Um, what do you think that he brings to the mix? Yeah,
0: look, I don't know. I don't know too much about the process. Like, obviously, you know, things have happened, and maybe things should, could have been handled a little bit better. But at the end of the day, it's you know, in terms of the timing, it's never going to be perfect, is it? Like
5: no. trying
0: to trying to keep um, keep the existing crew crew happy, or you know, do you miss out on the best coach available? You know, like I, I just think that. New Zealand Rugby had decided that Razor was their man. Um, they needed to lock him in. They couldn't afford to risk losing him, and they went after him. So, look, I, I you know, I don't know too much about the process, as I say, but at the end of the day, um, they had to had to make a call at some point. Um, you know, and if you wait, you might end up losing your, missing out on your man. And um, I just think that that was too much of a risk that they didn't want to go through again.
1: Awesome, hey White, hey, thank you so much for your uh, time today, mate. Much appreciated, and uh, yeah, have a great Sunday afternoon. Crockett off to hit some golf balls, do you think? Oh, nice! <laughs> there you go, White Crockett. There you go, Justin. He's got the right idea, mate. Off to off to the golf course, but we're stuck in here.
2: Uh, absolutely. Yeah, well, he deserves it, doesn't he? Um, one of the players that played the longest out of anybody uh, in the game to be able to go through this, this lifespan that he did and uh, and and stay at the very peak of his powers, you know, and, and be world class uh, through then. Um, he put his body through a lot and thankfully for him, particularly as a prop, yeah. it still allows him to, <laughs> to swing a uh, golf ball around and go for a walk on a Sunday afternoon. How good is that? Mind you, we haven't seen what that swing's like, True. but no doubt knowing Crocky, His his photo of when he hits the golf ball will be absolutely perfectly sort of set up that it makes him look like he knows what he's doing.
1: (laughs) Hey, we're going to get another break out of the way. Uh, Keep your texts coming in, folks, Double eight double three, or if you want to call 0800 150 811. We'll be back after this. 10 to 2 here on SENZ. Dean Butler with you here until 3 o'clock on the Bunnings Trade Rugby run, for in for Ricardo. Justin Marshall is with us as always. And, Marshy, it's time now for our most reliable player of the week segment. Thanks to Kubota, together we are shaping and building New Zealand. Marshy, who's your most reliable player of the week?
2: Now, people are going to roll their eyes because I always try to do – well, I don't try, but I tend to do things differently for mm. some bizarre reason. Uh, I can't help myself. <laughs> um But what I've done is I've broken it down over the the sort of basically last, well, we're on our fifth round, I think we were, weren't we, Um, of Super, and I I wanted to sort of, the Kubota, like, most consistent sort of reliable player made me think about two that have been just constantly performing and I couldn't really decide between the two of them who deserves to get the kudos, so I'm going to say both of them, and that's, Right from the outset, uh, for the Hurricanes, Billy Proctor's been playing really good rugby, and it's probably it was probably an area of concern for the Hurricanes, um, given that they were moving Geordie there. Yeah. Um, of you know who, who was then going to be able to be a, be a really good foil for him, uh, and, and and I think the way that uh, Billy Proctor's adjusted and the type of rugby he's playing again, he was making line breaks last night. His distribution has just come on massively. Um, to free space for his outside. So uh, I'm going to give him a wrap because I think nice. he deserves one. He's probably, he's probably the form center at the moment in the comp. Um, and, equ- and equally Sam Gilbert from the Highlanders. Um now they've been struggling, struggling, struggling in a way, but he is the one guy that week in, week out, is just coming out and playing good, consistent, reliable rugby, which is what the Kubota, um, you know, basically, basically is all about for this award. So, he was excellent again last night, um, scoring tries, kicking goals, making line breaks, makes his tackles. Um, he's really good at the back when he needs to, to diffuse um, high balls. Uh, and and he's, he's adjustable. He can play from 10 to wing. Uh, and in a team decimated by injury at the Highlanders, um, he's been a big, a big time shining light for them and filling and when he needs to, but playing really good rugby. So... What have we got? we got dual. we got
1: dual winners. <laughs> we got, there you go. we got two winners this week for the uh, most reliable player of the week. You've got Billy Preston from the Hurricanes and Sam Gilbert. Uh, Billy Proctor. Sorry, yeah. Billy Proctor. Billy Preston was yep. the muse yeah, Sam Gilbert from the Highlanders uh, they are the most reliable players of the week uh, thanks to Kubota for over 40 years we've been making tomorrow matter shaping and building New Zealand together and you mentioned consistency mm-hmm. and reliability and all this every time I watch Brodie Ritalik he's consistency personified for me He just literally every game
2: yeah and Sam, and Sam Whitelock yeah, you know, yeah are, that's right look at it- at the moment, people will be going, you know, but what about Artie? And but, yeah. but those guys are—they're going to deliver every week. Yeah, yes, but, that yeah. makes them reliable. Yes, um, but but what you want is people around those superstars in your team mm. that that are equally as reliable and and are able to then uh, enable those guys to function because they're not carrying more responsibility. Yeah. And I think those players that are playing really consistent. in in good form rugby, deserve a mention. And that's why I kind of tend to go away from the big all-black superstars. Um, Although I have uh, picked Damian McKenzie um, in the first couple of weeks because... Technically, he's not
1: an all-black at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Marshy. I like it, mate. I like it. Hey, I've uh, just got a quick text in here from Ken as well saying, now Justin and Dean, can't let this turn into a Crusaders show only. Great to see a few Blues boys back today. And Sam, uh, Derry Sam, Nock, Harry Plummer, and others as well, uh, the uh, Blues under-20s champs. He mentions a guy, Caleb Tangitao. Wow, what a great player. Currently in the Blues squad. Reminds me of a young Rico Uwani, Bigger and faster. Cheers, Ken what do you make?
2: Yeah, good point, Ken. And I was a bit mindful of the fact that, yeah, we do have a very important game coming up. And the Blues looking to get back into some rhythm after still playing having a really good season, but being, being caught out a little bit by the Crusaders. And that by no means um, is any any blight or slight on the way that they're going and tracking along at the moment. Mm. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to their continual progress. We need, the, and when I say we, we need, the country needs the Blues to be, playing good rugby and, and, and um, performing. It's really important. So hopefully they get back to their winning ways this afternoon. Equally, they've been so impressive, that Blues Under-20 side mm. uh, at the, the recent championship in Taupo. Um, just a, a very strong, powerful side. Um, yeah, he, uh, uh, like across the board, they've got great players. I think they've got three players out there in New Zealand. sevens. Oh, really? Yeah, um, in that in that Blues side as well. So uh, yeah, they are very very looking very good in terms of their growth and development that the under twenties are performing, um, and 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 also so is the the
1: main Blues franchise under Liam McDonald. So signs are good. Yeah, signs are very good. Hey, we've got to wrap it up, uh, Justin. We'll be back um, after 2 o'clock. I think, I think your old mate Grant Nisbet is going to join us as well. He is. How good. Yep. How good. The dulcet tones of Grant Nisbet after uh, 2 o'clock, folks. If you've got any questions for Grant, please text those in too. Double eight, double We've got a couple of other texts uh, to answer there. And we'll delve deeper into some of those other games that happened on the West of the weekend too. That's after 2 o'clock here on the Bunning Trade Rugby Run. Two o'clock here on SENZ. Welcome back into the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run. We're going up until three o'clock today. Then we cross over to Kempy and Sam as they give us the build-up and then the full commentary of the Warriors versus the Bulldogs uh, this afternoon. But right now we're headed to three o'clock. Justin Marshall is with us. If you want to ask Justin anything, please text us in, double eight double three, or you can give us a call, 0800 150 811, 0800 150 811. We have got our special guest, Grant Nisbet, around about 2.30 as well, so you might have some questions for him. Please once again give us a text double eight uh double three. Justin, you you touched on it in that last hour with Wyatt Crockett. The um the saga, the soap opera with Scott Robertson, mate. You've been in the all-black environment. You know what it's like. And I know everyone's saying it's not going to affect anyone, but it just seems to me the way it's been handled, it's just it just seems like a mess, a shambles. Why why could they not have waited until after the World Cup to make this decision? Because they would have known that Scott Robertson would have stayed if he'd been told that, surely.
2: Yeah, I wonder whether or not what uh, Scott Robertson said a few weeks ago uh, forced their hand a little bit mm. because when interviewed he did say there was going to be an announcement, didn't he? And yeah. And it was wrong, I believe, and I yeah. think it, by his own admission he got that horribly wrong. Uh, and then it, it just created a massive amount of media speculation and... Questions and then the rugby union came out and said, Well, there's no <laughs> announcement coming, and it was just it got quite farcical there for yeah, a while, didn't it? And it did. uh, yeah, I know I don't, I'm pretty sure, and, and Scott Robertson would admit this that it, it didn't sit well with the New Zealand rugby union that that sort of pressure came on them. Uh, so I wonder whether or not that fast tracked it, whether they'd had a sort of semi agreement that um, there was an interview process to go through, but he was absolutely the front runner. Uh, and um you know barring a miracle he was going to get the job Mm. but then jamie joseph came into the mix uh which just made the the speculation and the saga sort of um uh, exemplified so it was like oh my god where is this going so i just wonder whether or not it kind of fast tracked it um i might be completely wrong i'm just speculating here uh, yeah yeah, it did seem to, when there was no real clear uh, indication that this was going to happen now, mm. all of a sudden it did happen now. And and yes, traditionally, I think this is the first time ever that an all-black coach has been replaced Yeah. Uh, while there's still a Rugby World Cup and test matches to play. So incredibly unsettling. Mm. Uh, they would have had to do a lot of explaining and reassuring and making sure that Ian Foster and all of his coaching group are in a good headspace. Now, when people say, why do why did I sort of say that with quite a little bit of authority and the whole coaching group? Because Mm. when a new coach comes in, a new coach picks all of his staff to how he wants to run the team. So that includes the trainers, Mm. the analysis, the nutrition, Obviously, all the assistant coaches, the masseuse, the baggage man, everybody now that is in that all-black environment under Ian Foster will be feeling incredibly vulnerable because they don't know what their future is beyond the end of October. And, you know, you've got a a group of people then that are kind of like, well, what does my future look um, like? And that can be incredibly distracting because... They have to start thinking about worst case scenario. Mm. Does that keep them focused on the job at hand? That's what I ask, and that's why I'm being a bit like I don't know whether this should have been happening now, um, because all of a sudden they start thinking as anyone would. Yeah. If your employer comes to you and goes, "Oh, there's a new there's a new CEO coming in, and there'll be a few changes," you're like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and so that 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 that's where. I think that in the past it's always been post any big tournament or any calendar year because you don't have distractions and people within that organi- whole organisation feeling uncertain yeah. because it doesn't enable them to do their job properly.
1: Yeah, you're right. That, that, that's just it. You've nailed it. It's not just about one person. There's a heap of right. back rooms st- and that's they're like the forgotten people really because yep. – yeah. As you mentioned, that's a great point. And that was the other thing, you know, when we watched the press conference and, you know, they asked Mark Robinson whether he, you know, contacted Ian Foster and did he know. And there was like a pause and it was like, oh, what is going on? Have they even – the perception was they haven't even called the guy or done a Zoom or done a face-to-face or anything to let him know what was – that's what it came across as. They may have, but it didn't come across like that.
2: No. He was away. He was busy surveying all the Six Nations teams mm. and, and correlating information, so he was in the wrong part of the world. But mm. yeah, I think technology allows <laughs> us to be able to communicate with people in that part of the world quite <laughs> yes. easily nowadays. So, yeah, it was all a bit strange, and it makes you wonder how informed he was. Mm. Uh how he found out, you know, there was speculation that he found out not through the New Zealand Rugby Union, just by the announcement itself coming out in the media. Look, I don't know. I, nah. uh, and I'm remiss to comment on that because mm. I wouldn't have a clue, so I won't go down that nah. pathway. But, yeah, it, it just is, you know, he, he was quite outspoken, wasn't he, about it? Yeah. Hen Foster.
1: Hey, absolutely. Um,
2: Good on him. How he felt and, and how he didn't feel it was right. Uh, but it has transpired. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, Fozzie's a great guy, mm. and he's very pragmatic. And and I'm sure when uh, the discussion started in, at the end of, or in the middle of last year after the South African Test match, and he eventually ended up getting retained, albeit had to make some coaching personnel changes, he's not a, he's not a stupid man, Fozzie. He no. would have, to a degree, seen the writing on the wall a little bit. Mm. You know, he would have optimistically been thinking, you know, if I win a rugby world cup, maybe I might yeah. still have a job, and I might be able to put a play in. Mm. Um, but I think uh, he's probably more of a victim than he thinks of the whole Graham Henry, Steve Hansen hangover. Yes, uh, because he's been he's been involved in the, in those setups and the rugby union are probably thinking, okay, it was successful. We won back-to-back rugby world cups. We had a lot of success,
1: mm. uh,
2: uh, you know. But eventually, that is going to it's going to become old news. Yeah, uh, or for one of a better way to put it, mm. we need we need a refresh um, yeah. of of a different mindset. And so, I, I would suspect that he had it in his mind that they were probably going to, with the retirement of and and more moving on to different pastures of a lot of their senior players that this was going to be the right time to have that refresh Mm. and and get out of that that decade under that that particular coaching sort of style and
1: mindset yeah, no, I think, I think you're 100% right on that, Justin, as well. Hey, also, look, back to the, the weekend's uh, rugby. Uh, yeah. You commentated it, and it was one of the funniest moments I've seen. It was when the, the guy went to score the try, and he, his leg was, like, cramped up. <laughs> who was it, Ju- Justin? Well, who was it? It was uh, Martin
2: Borgado, the import yeah. from Argentina. Uh, yeah, we well, Nisbo picked it up earlier when he went to... Carry the ball and was put in a little bit of space, and yeah. he literally just limped his way into contact. And he actually said in that sequence, he is not uh, at a hundred percent. Well, he was way off a hundred percent when he actually had to <laughs> hobble his way over the try line from five meters out. And he nearly didn't make it with no one marking him. That's, that's <laughs> so, so funny. Uh, but that's just it was it was it was comical the way that it happened. But equally, it goes to show you how bad a state the Highlanders are in. They literally yes. knew what was wrong with them and couldn't replace them.
1: Mm.
2: Eventually they did yeah. replace them in terms of taking them off the field, but they couldn't – they had nobody to fill a spot, so they played the last seven or eight minutes or whatever it might have been with 14
1: men. Wow. That's how
2: bad their injury situation is at the moment.
1: Jeez, yeah, you're right. There. And, and when you're playing a team uh, like the drawer and look – what the gut for me? The one word for that was entertaining. That was an entertaining game from go to woe, that Highlanders draw a game. Really was.
2: Yeah, it was plenty of points. Um, again, I felt a bit uh, a bit let down by the contest. Mm. Um, I thought, you know, under Glen Jackson and McBurn, the, the, the way that the draw have been progressing, you know, two wins from four games yes. is really really good, including yeah. the Crusaders as one of their scalps, a team that was really growing. I uh, had an injury-riddled Highlanders team to take on. Yeah, I wasn't convinced that they could win the game, but I, I certainly felt that this was going to be tight and competitive. But there was only one team in it. They, mm. I felt the drew with their tactics and just the way that they played on the on the night. Um, they were off. It was a team that passes usually stick, line breaks usually lead to tries. Mm. Uh, none of that happened. They 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 were they were off their game um, and. The Highlanders capitalised on everything that they got given and created plenty of their own. You know, guys like Aaron Smith
1: and yes. uh
2: Mitch Hunt, I mentioned Sam Gilbert, Billy Harmon had a whale of a game um, at open side turning the ball over. They hit them at the breakdowns, they didn't get bullied and out physical. Uh yeah, it was an entertaining game, but I felt that we probably were let down a little bit by the drawer, could have provided us provided us with a better contest. But again, like I said earlier, about Scott Robertson and, and the Brumbies scenario where they they were not as strong as they could have been, while equally Clark Dermody went pretty happy he didn't have to battle out a game going down to the seventy fifth. Minute And those last five minutes, the game was in the balance with his injury problems. So he would have been relieved that the scoreboard was comfortable for them all day.
1: Yeah, that's a very valid point. You're right. The Drew, like I say, while it was entertaining, they should have probably got a bit more out of that game, given the state of the Highlanders at the moment. Of course, the other big game on the weekend, they are the form side, Justin, the Chiefs. Just keep on going. I actually saw them in a preseason game uh, against Mauna Pacifica. I was invited to that, and they, the Chiefs won. But you could tell right there and then they were just slick. They were everything was getting in place, and they've just converted it onto the field. And they just keep on rolling.
2: Yeah, they do keep on rolling. You know, in a magic moment uh, for Damien McKenzie to yes. have his hundredth game for the Chiefs. Yeah. You know what a a great story he is. You know, um, I, I guess if you if you're from my part of the world, South mm. and boy. Uh, even in the Otago area, you feel like you've been robbed of a player that could have been <laughs> playing a hundred games for for the Highlanders. You know, yeah. but uh, he he chose and was chosen uh, to go to go north and to go to the Chiefs. And subsequently, he's played all of his Super Rugby and become an All Black from up there. He was always destined for great things down in this part of the world. Mm. And, uh, you know, he's been in a very successful franchise. He's won Super Rugby titles. Uh, and, you know, he's, he's come back after his time in Japan and, and uh, grabbed himself the 10 jersey, which I think he's making an incredible uh, fist of so far this season, playing great rugby. Uh, the rest of the personnel around him, we've got lots of players that are in form, the likes of Sean Stevenson. yes. Um, you know, Nankovil's continue his good form from last year. I think Sam Kane quite possibly is playing some of his best rugby in quite a long time.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, you mentioned Ritalic earlier. You know, you're going to get the same performance out of him each week. Uh, they're a well drilled well-lawed team, yeah. that Chiefs outfit. And, um, you know, it's never an easy task going uh, and playing uh, the Waratahs at a place like um, the Sydney Football Stadium, which is now the brand-new Allianz, Allianz Stadium. Uh and they found themselves, I think, only four ahead at one stage yes, in the game. it
1: was close. It was close.
2: Yep. Yep. But um, good sides find a way. And the Chiefs have proven that to be the case. I thought they were off. Uh, and another one of their fixtures that they – oh, the Highlanders game. I thought they were mm. they were a bit off that day. Mm. And the Highlanders pushed them. Um, but they still found a way to to win that game reasonably comfortable in the finish, even when, when they weren't having the greatest of days. And that's what good sides do. So they're uh, – yeah, they're ticking away nicely. Like they, that it'd be interesting to see who everybody thinks is the form team of the comp. Like Crusaders yes. have dropped two games. Yep. Um, the Hurricanes have only dropped one. That was to the Blues, and they look pretty good. Yeah. The Blues have dropped one, but that was only to the Crusaders, <laughs> who are not a bad side. Yes. Um, <laughs> and, and the Chiefs are and the Chiefs are unbeaten, but they they haven't had the t- as tougher games as. Yeah, some of the New Zealand French other New Zealand franchises. So, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it'd be really interesting to hear people's views. You know, they maybe you can text into the the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run and um, give us your top, you know, top three teams, or even who you who you think the form team is, because it's quite fascinating to put your finger on exactly where that sits at the moment.
1: That's a great idea. There you go, folks. Give us a text. double eight double three. Who's your form team in a Super Rugby? From the New Zealand teams. Which one of them is the form team? And you mentioned uh, Damian McKenzie there as well, Justin. And it's funny how the perception has changed, I think, with what he's done. Because normally when players yeah. that go to Japan, they don't come back as good. That's the perception. He's disproved that.
2: Absolutely he has, yeah. And just on that form team, it's not your form team at the moment. It's as if there's a... There's a final to be played next weekend.
5: Mm.
2: Who, who, which team would win it right now? Oh. You know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. A team might be ticking away nicely, but if they had to play in a final, you know, who would win it next weekend? Um, but based on what you've seen so far after five rounds, uh, I was unsure about Damien McKenzie and whether or not ten was his best position. Mm. I'm still not entirely convinced. Yeah, but what I am really liking is. The way his maturity has grown into that jersey this year, yeah. Uh, I think when they were shifting him regularly between fullback and ten, mm. he was playing too much like fullback at ten. If that makes sense, yeah, no, that makes sense, absolutely. Uh, and 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 playing quite lateral at times, too lateral. Yeah, but you can do that at fullback. Yeah, you know, you can suck defenders to uh, towards you because you've got more space and time, mm. particularly on counter attack, or when you inject yourself as a first, second receiver, you're coming from bigger depth, for more depth, mm. which enables you to go lateral at defenders. But when you're starting flat, as a 10 does, lateral running really hurts everybody outside you. Yeah. You can still do it, mm. but you, you 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 don't want to do it all the time. Um, so the way that he's straightened up his mindset um, in that jersey, he's sitting um, uh, slightly flatter uh, and you have to say that everybody outside him is is absolutely flourishing. You know, Stevenson's scoring tries. He's having um, a great season. Yeah, like like they're going out of fashion. Um, Like I said, Nankerville's playing well. Um, Whoever they're getting, you know, into the game at fullback um, or on the wing um, are all, all functioning really, really well. So he's obviously the catalyst for that. So, yeah, I'm really pleased that he has adapted his game yeah, and and that's no coincidence i think that's the fact that he's not getting messed around between the two positions simply clayton mcmillan Mm. is picking him at 10 and not saying oh we're going to play with the greatest respect we're going to play minor Pacifica at the weekend uh we'll start gatlin at 10 and damien at fullback he he Mm. i think he started gatlin the other day in the game they played and Mm. mckenzie didn't play so I think that it's like rightly, it's not messing around. He's playing so well at ten. Let's just keep him there, unless absolutely necessary to move him to the back.
1: Yeah, good call, good call. And of course, I got him touch on the number nines as well. You know, to me, Brad Weber. He, we talk about the most reliable players as well. To me, he falls a bit into that category too.
2: Yeah, he does. Yep, uh, I, I certainly feel that he's probably the form. A uh, halfback um, in the first few rounds. Mm. Um, obviously, Aaron Smith's come back into the mix now, and he had a, an outstanding game last night. Uh, believe it or not, though, I still feel Aaron, uh, Smith, Aaron Smith can play better. Uh, yep. And that's saying something because he had quite the game last night. Mm. Sort scored of a try, and he had about four try assists in yeah. three. three. Uh, and that's saying something. You know, big wide pass out to Jonah Lowe. Oh, the that's right. One to Ethan DeGroote. Yeah. Um, and possibly another one close to the line as well, uh, to the other prop, actually Jermaine Ainsley. So yeah, there's three tries assists already. <laughs> yeah, um, and a try to himself. So he, and and so when I say he can play better, it's like holy moly. Well, this is frightening because <laughs> imagine what he can do. And yeah. I do believe he can he can be better. He made a couple of um, errors defensively and, and kicked the ball away once. But that's nitpicking, mate. When you yeah, but when you're world right. class, when you're world class like best close to the best in your position in the world, you get nitpicking because yeah. that's what being that good demands. But um yeah, Brad Weber I certainly feel was um the the best of the rest. Um but Finley Christie's playing well as well. And mm. uh you'd have to say Cam Roygaard is Yeah. You know, he's making TJ Per Perinara a bit nervous <laughs> because uh, TJ looks like we'll get back uh, maybe later in the super season, but Cam Roygaard's playing so well that you know he's keeping um, Jamie Booth on the bench, and he's mm. a good player too. But you know, so yeah, we've got some depth, which is Cortez, Atama, um, You know, course oh, There's another one. Where, where does he sit now in that in that whole mix? Mm. So yeah, when you name all of those names like I have, we're, we're actually sitting quite nicely with halfback
1: stock at the moment. Gosh, we surely are. Hey, keep your texts coming in, folks. Double eight, double three. We wanna know who is your form team of the Super Rugby at the moment, your form New Zealand team. Also, if you've got any questions for Justin, double eight, double three, and keep them coming in too for Grant Nisbet. We're gonna be interviewing uh, Nisbo shortly as well. We'll take a quick break and we'll be back after this. Uh, 24 past two here on SENZ. Dean Butler with you here on the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run up until three o'clock. Of course, Justin Marshall is here with us as well and we will be talking with Grant Nisbet shortly. Uh, If you want to text in your form team of the competition or any questions for Justin or Grant, please do so. Double eight, uh, double three is the number to text. Uh, uh, Justin as well, There's some uh, Ben, just give me some uh, breaking news, some headlines from the World of League. Joseph Suali'i is set to leave the roost and join rugby in 2025. And Brandon Smith, also um, from the Roosters, says a million-dollar winger isn't going to help the Wallabies beat the All Blacks. Two things, what do you make of him joining? And is this the Eddie Jones factor coming into play?
2: Yeah, well, it's a big coup for Australian rugby. You know, the young... New yeah. superstar of Australian Rugby League. Mm. Um, you know, I think he was in that Roosters side at 18. Might, might, might have even been younger. Something like that. Yeah, and, uh, you know, he's very much the future of the game um, in, in Australia for Rugby League. And for this, for Australian rugby to pick up his signature is, is a massive positive. Uh, um, I believe Eddie Jones, yes, was very keen on the idea. Um it's, it's, it's a bit of a gamble, because mm. it's a big deal, and because um, I was actually watching the Reds last week, in yeah. particular, uh, with um, Vunivalu getting an opportunity, he's been plagued by injuries. Oh, really? Uh, okay. Since, since moving from the Storm to rugby, mm. uh, he's really struggled. They sort of had him in the, the Australian mix, and then he kind of um, got injured and sort of never really got back into it, and then... Uh, you know there was big raps on the fact that he could make a difference, but uh, you know because so, obviously Kordabetti uh, is mm. the most successful recently that has switched across to Wallabies rugby. But, yes, uh, you know, but, but, you know, back to the signing, it's it's a it's a good signing because it's you're talking some hell of an athlete, big, tall, strong, fast, yeah. Yeah. good in the air, um, but. Has I don't know how much rugby experience he's got. Um, different game,
1: mm. not as
2: much space, more, more, more time and play, different role. But uh, obviously, knowing Eddie Jones, if he was involved by any any means, he wouldn't be getting somebody that he doesn't believe would be a worth the value of that contract mm. and be able to be successful. So watch that space I think
1: yeah yeah because there was word that he was going to be tapping all sorts of people um, for the upcoming World Cup I, uh, but that it's too late for that now isn't it just it, it is yeah late. yeah 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 okay we've got a quick call in here as well uh, Justin we got uh, Joey on the line Joey good afternoon to you yeah good
3: day boys just about Swallow. Um
1: mm.
3: he uh, wanted to play fullback for the Roosters and um, because they've already got uh, what's the name of fullback signed on for a, um, a few more Tedesco. years. Tedesco. Uh, yeah, Tedesco. He's only going to be on the wing, Marshy. So um, um, I believe he wants to play fullback, and I believe that's what probably where he'll want to play um, for the uh, for the um, Australian rugby side, for the Wallabies. Joe, do you know um, if he's played not...
2: any rugby at all uh, in his upbringing? And secondly, you know, like, why wouldn't he... Is he? Why wouldn't if he can break his contract with the Roosters? Why wouldn't he break it to play fullback for another NRL side?
3: Mm. Oh, I think I think he has played And but but he predominantly league, and he, he came into the side. He got a dispensation at 17 years of age to play for the Roosters. That's how good he is. Yeah. Um. And 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 he, and because you, you're only supposed to be able to play when you when you're 18 for for the top team. And he got in um, dispensation from the NRL to play. Uh, I think when he was 17, and he came on. But um, and he wanted to play fullback, but then Tedesco came along, and he couldn't play fullback, and um, so he ended up he ended up playing on the wing. And he's been he's been a very good winger. But um, I think that's one of the reasons he wants to go to rugby because he wants to play fullback. Uh, and the, obviously the the um, Australian Rugby Union have probably said to him, "Well, you come over here, and we'll play you at." at at fullback, Mushy. Um, so I, yeah, I, I know that. He, yes, he could probably could have, could have stayed in league, but and, and maybe gone to a, another club. But um, I think he he just wanted uh, wanted the the change, as I said, to play to play play fullback. And obviously, probably the money's come into it as well. I mean, I don't know what he was on at the Roosters, but <laughs> coming in there, you know what what he would be on now. Um, would be right up there. I would have thought probably 600, maybe more. But I don't know. When he first came in, obviously, being, being the talent that he was, um, even Mel Meningham, they, they all said that he's probably one of the best talents they've ever seen. Uh, so, you know, um, that goes to show. And he, and he has been very good. I mean, for a guy guy coming in as a 17-year-old, he's been unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, he'll make yeah. it different to, to Australian rugby, I, I think, at fullback.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and- I think you're right, yeah. Joey. I think that mate, that's a great call. Thank Good you so tonight. much for that, pal. Um yeah, Joey's right there, um, Justin. It's obviously big bucks which have been thrown at the young fella and uh, he's gone over to rugby. Of course, he's so young, he can still go back if he wants to, I reckon, as well. He's
2: he's he's that Well, yeah, look at what look what Brad Thorne did, you know, like yeah. uh, he did his due diligence in rugby league, he he played for um the Broncos, he played for the, the maroons, mm. uh, the, and and then equally uh, played for Australia. Then he went to rugby and played for the All Blacks. And yeah. Then he went back to league. You know, he went yeah. back to the Broncos. So yeah, yeah it's always possible, isn't it? it? But yeah, what a talent! Um, absolutely agree. with what like Joey said, the boy can play. Yeah, great call, it's Joey. Just, uh, it's just about where he where he does end up playing. But it sounds like fullback might be the position that the, the, the well, it's a position they haven't got fulfilled. No. That's it. The Wallabies. They're they really, really struggling in that jersey. They're putting wingers and centres there because they've never actually really found somebody to, to take command of that jersey.
1: Yeah, exactly right. Hey, we've got to take a quick break. After that, we will be talking with uh, Grant Nisbet. If you've got any questions, please text them in double eight double three, or give us a call 0800 150 811. 25 to 3 here on SENZ. Dean Butler here with you. Up until then, Justin Marshall is here. 2 at 3 o'clock, we switch over to Kempi and Sam for a build-up and commentary of the Warriors versus the Bulldogs. You are, of course, on the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run. Power your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. Before we get to Grant Nisbet, just had a quick text, Marshy, about um, uh, Ali, He's not breaking his contract with the Roosters. He will finish it at the end of 2024 and play rugby in 2025. That's from Simon from Gore. So there you go. No, that's that's uh, cleared that one. No contract breaking, just signing a new contract with rugby.
2: That makes sense, doesn't it? That he's actually contracted through to that period and then has decided not to renew with uh, the with, uh,
1: Roosters and move on. Yeah. yeah well, like I said... Big coup for Australian rugby. Yep, and good luck to them. Well, let's keep moving on as well, Um, Justin. And, of course, it's time now to be joined by one of your uh, great mates a man with you have worked many, many times. It is Grant Nisbet. Grant, uh, great to have you on the show, mate, and thanks for joining us on this uh, Sunday afternoon.
5: No worries, boys. How are we doing?
1: Yeah, we're doing very good, Nisbo. Hey, look, I was talking to Justin before about the game, and you called it as well last night um, the, about the winger, not the winger, the player who was literally limping over the line to score the try, and it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. And Justin says you saw the, you called the injury early.
3: Yeah,
5: yeah. I subsequently found out actually I was talking to someone in the Kora Club this morning that um, he had a bit of cramp. I thought he might have pulled a muscle, but he had a bit of cramp. And it did It look pretty comical, didn't it? It was the Argentinian <laughs> fella, wasn't it? Bugato.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah, it sure was, Nisbo. Uh, and, yeah, it was, it was quite hilarious to see him struggle his way for three or four metres just to, to get the try scored. But um, uh, I was going to ask you, you came up with a fascinating stat as we were driving to the game, um, saying that the average points, I think you said it was 61 and a half being scored in Super Rugby, and it hasn't been like that since the, basically since the inception around the sort of mid-90s. Um, why do you think that's the case? Is it because of the law changes that we are getting that many points on average per game?
5: Yeah, I think it is actually. Uh, Justin, I just think there's a bit more room, and you'd know as a halfback, you know, there's a lot more room around uh, around the scrums and that, and so... Um, I think I think that's allowed attack, oh, and um, uh, that's the only thing I can put it down to. Um, and also, I think too that the referees are being a lot more, um, shall we say, uh, tough on uh, on timing, and 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 a bit of fatigue is setting in. Blokes don't have a chance to recover the way they used to. Um, and I think that might be another reason too. I was sort of trying to give it a bit of thought really because it was quite a, quite a staggering statistic because it's not like it's gone up half a point. It's actually gone up, I think the, the record season was 97 when it was an, on average of 57 points a game. This, this is 61. I mean, it's not just half a point, it's four points, which is hell of a lot when you think of an average
1: it surely is a hell of a lot, sixty-one and a half. Although saying that the Hurricanes got fifty-nine and they went over Mana Pacifica, so they could have shared it out a bit. Nisbo. there's
5: Yeah, well, yeah. yeah I mean, Mana Pacifica could have at least contributed something, but they didn't. Um, so, so they didn't quite reach. They didn't quite reach the average, did they? But uh, I tell you what, the game we did in Dunedin, they sure as hell reached the average.
2: Yeah, didn't they? Absolutely, it was. Yeah, a bit one-sided in that regard, wasn't it really? I didn't feel that the Highlanders had that many, that many points in them, but the Drew have been slightly off, I think, helped their cause. Look, uh, We asked the listeners, Nisbo, basically what they thought uh, was their form team of the competition at the moment, and there was, there's been plenty of, I guess, sides that are playing well um, and have only dropped one game, if any, like the Chiefs haven't. Um, who do you feel Let's say if there was to be a final next weekend would be the side that you see the most in form right now.
5: Yeah, look, it's interesting, isn't it? Because you can only really gauge at whether a team's playing well depending on who the opposition is. And if you've struck, as the Highlanders did in their first three weeks, if you strike you know, the Chiefs, the Crusaders and, um, and uh, the Blues... Uh, then it's hard to gauge against the team that might have played some of the lesser teams. So it's it's pretty tough after five weeks. But you know, I think I think there are. Four, I was going to say four New Zealand teams are pretty much in form. But then I, you'd you'd have to say after watching the Highlanders last night, given the opposition was poor, though uh, that they they're running into some sort of form as well. So. If there was a final uh, next week, um, I think the chiefs might be there, Justin, but I, I'd be really struggling to tell you who they might be playing. I guess if we again, it would be dependent on injuries too, which have taken a hell of a toll on some of the teams and not so much on the others.
2: What about your uh, mob, the, the hurricanes? Um, but, you know, there was a, a few questions about how they would cope without T.J. Ara being out with his injury. Um, Cam Roy guys coming so well. They said they were going to move Geordie to the centres, which they've done. Um, I mentioned Billy Proctor. I thought, man, he's just playing a different level of rugby this year. Genuine title contender, do you think? Are you optimistic about their chances from what you've seen so far?
5: Yeah, look, they've only played one New Zealand team so far, and that was the Blues, and they lost. In a game they probably should have won, let's be honest, but they didn't. Um, So if they're going to consider themselves title contenders, They've got to be able to win those sort of games and uh, so far they've they've uh, sort of come up short. So uh, it's a bit hard to get a gauge on them until they start playing, you know, teams like the Crusaders and the Chiefs. I'm sort of reserving judgment a wee bit. I would say, though, they seem to have good depth uh, and even without Geordie there uh, last night, they, they still played pretty damn well, didn't they? And they brought blokes off the bench who made major contributions. So, um, yeah, I'm reasonably optimistic about them. But as I say, it's hard to get engaged until they start playing some of the other New Zealand teams.
1: Hey, Nisbo, you mentioned the, the shot clock and the stop clock and the timer and making the game faster. And it certainly made it more entertaining, I think, from a fan's perspective this year. But what are the chances of this going into the Rugby World Cup this year? Will it be considered or is it not on the table?
5: No, look, it won't be on the table because it wasn't thought up by those in the northern hemisphere. Let's be honest about it. So, uh, unless they <laughs> thought of it, unless they thought of it, it's not a good idea. But it certainly makes a great rugby down this part of the world, doesn't it? Um, mm. You know, there's a lot of things that uh, I think could be changed in the game of rugby. Don't start me on rolling malls. Um but uh, because it, because it suits them up north, they they like to keep the game at a reasonable their clip. They don't really like to play at the sort of speed we want to play it, mm. um, so there'll be no chance, I would think, of that going through to the World Cup.
2: Speaking of that, uh, what have you made this week of the announcement of of Scott Robertson? Uh, in terms, of, we've already had a few thoughts on it in terms of the timing, um, with the current coach still in place, and what you know, obviously, what he what he will bring uh, to the team when he finally does get control which won't be until next year's rugby championship, you would imagine, or next year's domestic tests, I should say, in June. So he's got a bit of time to wait. Yeah, he has.
5: Look, I'm very critical of the timing, Justin. I mean, I think I think they've got the right bloke, No no doubt about that, but... Do we need to know who the next All Black coach is 15 months out from when he actually coaches his first test match? I mean, it's just flaming ridiculous. I mean, the team that Scott Robertson runs out won't be until about June, July of 2024. And we're just late March 2023. Do we really need to know who the All Black coach is and why have we done it so quickly? I just, you know, I, I just find it staggering, actually.
1: Yeah, I think you're right, I think most people would agree with you on that. And just picking up on that, too, we just had a text in. Hi, guys. This is for both of you, Justin and you, Nisbo. When Razor picks his assistant coaches, I hope he doesn't make the mistake and pick Scott Hanson. He will go with McDonald and Ryan, so that makes three can tabs. You can't have four can tabs as coaches. What do you think, boys?
5: <laughs> yeah, well, I guess, you, I guess you do need to uh, – you want to be inclusive, don't you? So um, – yeah, the whole country wants to feel as if uh, you know it's their team, uh, and it probably wouldn't be a good look. Um, I don't know. I don't know which way he's going to go, and I, I wonder too whether Justin, whether there'll be an input from New Zealand rugby, uh, whether he'll have uh, sort of a free shot at it himself, or whether New Zealand rugby will be making some suggestions.
2: Yeah, it's a good point. You know, technically, Leon McDonald isn't a uh, Crusaders coach, though, is he? Although he has coached at <laughs> the Crusaders, but right now he's a Wolves coach. If <laughs> you wanted to look at it in that way, but yeah, I've, I've had a few people ask me about uh, Ronan Agara, whether I thought he would Ooh. come into the thought process. But uh, I, I thought probably maybe a year ago Ronan would come into his mindset, but Ronan's just progressed so far at La Rochelle. Um, he's well sought after now. I wouldn't imagine that. It's something he's thinking about since he's forging such a good um, coaching pedigree himself on his own. So yeah, it's. I think it's just about getting buy-in, and that it is as a team for the nation, isn't it? And and the key thing for any head coach is to get the, the personnel around him, that makes him the best coach he can be, and gets the results that he knows he can get. Now he's managed to do that at Canterbury and uh, and the Crusaders, and if he. He, and he absolutely needs to do that at the All Blacks with even more pressure and spotlight on you. So I don't begrudge anyone he, he picks. And, and it doesn't worry me um, where they come from or who they are as long as it makes him successful. That's the key.
5: You boys, can I yeah, ask? Yeah, look, I, I agree. I, 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 I thought Hanson, you know, Steve Hanson did it pretty well. He um, he, uh, he got Grant Fox in, who sort of, yeah. I guess you could say, covered the, the Auckland area. Um, you know, and he had Ian Foster, who was sort of Waikato man himself. And um, yeah, it, it's a perception thing more than anything, isn't it? Really, that uh, yeah, yeah. that uh, the rugby public could be looking, thinking, you know, we 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 don't want um, a whole crew from one particular area. So, I don't think you'll see, for instance, I don't think you'll see both leon mcdonald and jason holland because to me they pretty much do the same thing so it'll be either or uh, i would imagine uh, between those two
1: yeah, no, I, you could be right then. We will find out. One quick question for you both. Who does the scheduling for Super Rugby? How can we have Moana Pacifica last night at Mount Smart? Today, we've got the Blues versus the Force at Eden Park. They're both Auckland-based teams. Could they not put them on different weeks? Plus, we've got the Warriors on at the same time. Who Who is in charge of this thing? Crikey.
5: <laughs> yeah, it's either a feast or a famine, isn't it, really? And then, of course, you had the all-whites. I think they were at Mount Smart on, what, Thursday they night? Were. I think. Yeah, they were. Uh, and then you had a cricket match at Eden Park yesterday. Uh, I can't keep up.
2: No, neither can I. Uh, and, you know, obviously it's all on one particular uh, network that's broadcasting it as well, so I won't, we won't go into that because it's, that's not um, where, where we want to go, to be perfectly honest. But... Uh, <laughs> Nisbo, um, just finally, isn't it bowls Sunday today? I was very happy to hear you come on the show because we we always value your opinion and uh, great to hear your insight. But I would have thought that you would be busy taking someone apart on the bowls department <laughs> this afternoon.
5: Yeah, not not this weekend, uh, Justin. No, no. Uh, th- there's bowls Tuesday and Thursday, uh, t- Tuesday and Wednesday of this week, but not. Uh, not um, this weekend. I, I, once once the rugby starts, it kind of curtails the old weekend bowls a wee bit. I do manage to oh, get yeah. some in here and there, but um, no, it's not quite the same once we get into Super Rugby.
1: <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Hey, Grant, thank you so much for your time this afternoon, mate. We really appreciate it, and um, yeah, enjoy the rest of your Sunday.
5: Good on you, boys. Take it easy.
1: Yeah, you too. Cheers, this boat. Oh, that's awesome. There's Grant Nisbet. What a what a great chat. What a great man. What great insights, Marshall Justin A. Eh, from, oh, I just well versed, uh,
2: you know, in any form of rugby you want to, to talk about. You know, yeah. right across the board, he watches the Six Nations. He's obviously commentating in Super and New Zealand rugby um, international. So he, he knows the game so so well. Uh, but equally, you know, he's commentated on cricket. He knows. Yeah. All sports. Yeah, yeah. He's a massive, people probably won't know this and hmm. enthusiast and, and, and lover of American sport, but in particular baseball. Big, really? big fan of baseball. Wow. Yeah, he is. Yep. Um, so, yeah, we, we actually, when the All Blacks played uh, out in Chicago, um, we were uh, at a pub together watching the Chicago, um, <laughs> what are they, Cubs oh, The Cubs, the, yeah. The World Series for the first time in, I don't know, over a hundred years.
1: Oh, that's uh,
2: and, right. Um, yeah, it was it was a pretty magic moment for Nisbo. We would have liked to have gone live obviously, but they were playing away. But um to be amongst all the Chicago baseball fans and oh. and witness that and then see a parade. Uh the follow that after the All Blacks played actually, um, going past our hotel uh, of of four million people
1: oh my god what
2: we were both looking out our window seeing more people than <laughs> basically lived and nearly lived in new zealand at that time <laughs> <laughs> so pretty special but yeah yeah and this he's, he's across all sports and um you know he loves his cricket as well you often see him at the basin reserve and uh yeah he's just a, he's just a ball of information and statistics and if you want to delve into Here's here's a point for you. If you're ever struggling, and there's a big quiz night coming up, to and it's a quiz you want to win, yeah, give it a call because you'll win
1: it if it's a sports quiz. Okay, there you go, folks. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back after that to wrap things up. Five minutes to three o'clock here on the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run, Power your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. And, Marshy, hey, one other big uh, rugby story of the weekend, of course, was in the women's rugby, the Matatu have won the Super Rugby Opiki final, uh, beating the Chiefs Manawa 33-31. Yeah,
2: some sort of game. It absolutely was, and the Matatu were easily the underdogs leading into it and the the Manawa have been the form team of the competition. Um, But finals are finals, aren't they? Yeah. You know, uh, it it was a game that, to a certain degree, the Matatu had in their control with about 10 minutes to play, but uh, the Manawa being the side that they are, they never gave up, fought their way back into it. Um, God, you really have to feel for being a goal kicker sometimes, like uh, Teneca Willison. Um, Unfortunately, she missed the conversion and then, had a late penalty to to seal to try and steal the game from yeah. um, the Matatu. Uh, although, when I was watching it, I 100% did not think that that was a penalty. Um, ah, right, OK. You know, the Chiefs, I mean, the Matatu player was certainly on her feet, over the ball, had all rights to it, and mm. uh, was supporting her own body weight. So it was a very, very dubious penalty. Um, and, you know, it wouldn't have been fair, you would have thought, but, uh, yeah, it was just, thrilling and to have the um, old Pookie go down to the final and have a thrilling finish like that I think it was just absolutely fantastic for the game.
1: Yeah absolutely a nail-biter like that yeah we, we all love those. Hey Marchie, we've run out of time mate but uh, once again pal thank you so much for today awesome fun as always brother.
2: Yeah thank you everybody for joining us for the Bunnings Trade Rugby run this Sunday really enjoyed it um,
1: and uh, looking forward to In the Red tomorrow night talking Crusaders. See you next week, folks, and don't forget, after three, the league, Warriors, Cowboys with Kempe and Sam.